Bye bye. <laughs> Well, the lesson for today is from Mark chapter 4, verses 26 and following. And I'll be really focusing on verse 26, but include all of it. So, listen, this is God's word. Now, Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the garden. And yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. And with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them except he said it in parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything to them. Let's pray. Lord, guide our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our memory, our understanding. Guide us so that we have a deeper, truer, more profound understanding of your word in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. One verse. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a seed. Now, I want to talk this morning about education. I know you're excited about that, but it's really mind-blowing. It's powerful. It's exciting. Education. Um, but really, I, I want to do a couple of things. And I, uh, first of all, did I mention someplace along the line that I'm a grandfather now? <laughs> I think. A great grandfather, by the way. Great. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Um, so I want to claim my stereotypical right as a, a grandfather when I talk about education and say things like, you know, well, it's not like it was in my day, you know, back in the day. But, but really, I want to go back further in the day. And I, I want to talk about when all education was rhetoric. Now, that might sound, might sound right, but it's true. There was a day when all education was education in rhetoric. And that's a good thing. That was a very good thing. So, for example, when St. John Calvin went to college, he was trained in rhetoric as an attorney. He was a lawyer. When St. Augustine was educated, he was trained in rhetoric, in philosophy. When St. Paul of Tarsus was trained, he was trained in rhetoric as a Pharisee, as an Old Testament scholar, basically. And what rhetoric is, is speaking truth, so you need to know truth, Speaking truth in a way that's pers uh, per persuasive and interesting and understandable. And, and that's what I want to speak about a little bit today. Rhetoric and, and the good thing. But I want to do that by looking at that one verse. Jesus, point one, said, point two, kingdom of God is like a seed. So let's start by looking at Jesus. Who is Jesus? 
Well, above everything else, we need to remember that Jesus is fundamentally a good teacher. Now, he's lots of other things, and we'll talk about that, but he's a good teacher. And as a good teacher, we really should listen to what he's saying, because he really has some very profound things to say. He was a very smart person, and he was a very good teacher. Now, let me make the distinction here between rhetoric and propaganda. There's a lot of propaganda in our day, and I think we kind of lose track. Remember what rhetoric is. Good rhetoric, rhetoric in its purest form, is speaking the truth, in, so you need to know the truth, in a way that's persuasive, interesting, and understandable. Propaganda, which we hear a lot of, is saying the same thing in the same way 10,000 different times, but staying it with a lot of zeal and a lot of sincerity. As if you say it loud enough, with enough sincerity, it must be true. I think all talk on radio and television is propaganda. Rhetoric, can you imagine, by the way, Jesus getting all worked up like you hear on the radio or television? That just doesn't make sense. Or St. Paul. Rhetoric, speaking the truth in a way that's understandable and interesting, and, and Jesus spoke like that. He was interesting. Now, part of rhetoric is understanding there's more to be said. So Jesus is a very good teacher. You should listen to him. But he's also the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, the bread of life, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the Almighty Master, all those things. But he's a very good teacher. So the first thing we need to hear is Jesus is a very good teacher and we should listen to him. The second thing is that Jesus said. So let's say something about saying. In order to have something worthwhile to say, which Jesus did, King of kings and Lord of lords, the first thing you need to do is hear something that's true. And in order to really hear what you're going to speak, the first thing that you need to do is receive the word. Do you notice how often, as you read the Gospels, how often Jesus goes alone apart in order to be silent? He's listening. He's listening. Not only talking, he's listening for the Father to speak. Even the Son of God has to do that. How much more do we have to do that? So in order to hear, we need to receive the word, and we need to reflect upon it. What does that mean? And we need to reduce it to a way that's easy to present, understandable. Jesus did that. Now, in order to present, Jesus, point number one, you should listen to him, he's a good teacher. Jesus said, there are certain ways of saying things, rhetorical devices or rhetorical tools that the Bible uses a lot of. Let me give some four examples. For example, um, one rhetorical tool is to talk about something positive using negatives. So, for example, St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. What is love? Well, Paul tells you what it's not. It's not arrogant, it's not rude, it's not boastful, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, and then by the time you get done hearing what love isn't, you say, I know what love is, because you heard what it isn't. That's a great rhetorical tool. Another one, similar metaphor. Jesus uses that all the time. And so Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a pearl of great price, or a prodigal son that walks away, or a, a good Samaritan, or a sea. A third rhetorical tool is when you're using especially similar metaphor to say what's unexpected. Let's talk about the kingdom of God. What do you expect to hear when you think about the kingdom of God? What's popular to hear in the kingdom of God? 
Let me suggest we want to hear words like powerful. It'll blow you away. It'll blow your mind. It's, it's explosive. It's mind-blowing. Do we really want that? Did I mention that I'm a, I'm a grandfather? <laughs> I think I did mention that. It's the best-looking kid in the entire planet. Now that's rhetorically hyperbole, which means exaggeration for effect, but that, is not, that was true what I said. This is the best looking kid in the world. So um, we'd be talking to our daughter, or my, my wife's down there, and, uh, and we hear this phrase from time to time. We just had a blowout. <laughs> Do I have to say anything more about that? <laughs> that's not a good thing. Do we really want blowouts? Do we really want to be blown away? Jesus doesn't use that kind of language. He says, the kingdom of God is like a seed. You don't expect to hear that, do you? It's small. It's small. The kingdom of God. A and yet, words are powerful. You're such a loser. Can't you do anything right? Do you break everything do you touch? Can't you sit still? I'm proud of you. I love you. I forgive you. You're looking good. I'm proud of you. Words are powerful, and they take root. Jesus said, the kingdom of God, let's talk about the kingdom of God. In all kingdoms, in all kingdoms, there are always three realities, no exception. There's three realities. All kingdoms are about power, they're about politic, and they are about hierarchy, all kingdoms. So, for example, in Jesus' day, you had King Herod. Around King Herod, you had Pontius Pilate. And around that, you had Caesar, who thought he was God, but he was delusional. In our time, we have Canandaigua, New York State, United States. But we know who's King of Kings. We know who's Lord of Lords. He's a good teacher. You should listen to him. But he's not just a good teacher. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he said, Jesus says, that the kingdom of God, he's the king of kings, is like a mustard seed. It's like a seed. Now let's think about that, a seed. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a seed. What is it about seeds? Well, first of all, they're small. They're small. They're tiny. They're small things. In fact, they're so small that a lot of people ignore it altogether. You know, just use the name in vain. It's just, a, it's just you know, Jesus. Small. Easy to walk around. But it's small, but it, it enters. It enters in ways that nothing else can enter. You understand that this, this, you know, this, is just, is just dirt and water. You understand that, right? I mean, that's physiologically true. Paul calls, St. Paul calls it a tent, but it's also theologically true, biblically true. I mean, you throw this thing in the dirt a couple of dozen years, it's just dirt and water, right? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But so what happens to the word? That seed is so small, it enters, it enters. That small, small, small seed enters. I think I hear an acronym developing here. That small seed enters, and, and you know how the roots work. They, they get into all the nooks and crannies and wounds and all the brokenness. And it gets into your imagination and to your mind and to your soul and to your spirit and to your memory and to your will. Every place, it enters. That small seed, it enters, that word. And then when it enters, it elevates. 
it becomes bigger. Have you ever watched those little seeds? They grow and it push away the little clogs, and, and pretty soon it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger so that it provides shade and shelter and protection for lots of things. That small little seed, it enters into all the wounds, and it elevates with such determination. There it is, seed. With such determination, it just wants to reach up to the sun. And we get it all wrong. In modernity, we get it all wrong. You see, this is just dirt, and it's a seed that gets in us, the Word of God that will change us gradually and slowly, and we get it just reversed. We think of ourselves as so good and just have to all that wonderful leak out. So I was reading an editorial this week, last week uh, in the New York Times. Do I have to say that the New York Times is not exactly known for being Christ-centered, Scripture-centered? So, but I read it faithfully, and I was reading the New York Times in one of the editorials, and it gave, uh, a, a, it was basically reviewing a book. And in the book, uh, it, it told about this story, which, which it actually happened. So it's the uh, mid-1970s, and at the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts, there is a uh, gift shop. It's staffed exclusively by volunteers, all of whom are retired. Okay, so you get, this, you get the visual there? $400,000 in revenue every year, $400,000. For a couple of years running, $150,000 turns up missing. So they launch an investigation to see who was stealing the $150,000. You read this, you know what's going on? You know the answer? There was no who. What happened was, everybody, everybody was stealing a little bit. 20 here, 25 there, 30 here. And then when they looked deeper, what they found was, everybody thought of themselves as basically good people. We're good, we're volunteering. And yeah, we might do a little wrong every once in a while, but as long as the good outweighs the bad, we're good people, what's 20? $150,000. We got that wrong. You see, we are not essentially good. We are dirt. We are, to use the biblical language, sinners. And what Jesus says, what the Bible says, and if I can say it, what this New York Times editorial has said, what helps is not the big event, the thing that'll blow you away. Who wants to be blown away? What helps, what keeps that dirt down is little things daily, twice a day, three times a day, like repeating the Ten Commandments twice a day. Don't, don't have any of the gods. Don't do that. Don't have idols. Stop using the name in vain. It's the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Every knee's going to bow. Don't do that. Honor your father and mother. Keep Sabbath holy. Stop murdering. Stop committing adultery. Don't do that. Don't steal. Don't slander. Don't cover your neighbor's stuff. Just don't do that stuff. Say that every day. Uh, repeat the Beatitudes or the Lord's Prayer, the 23rd Psalm. That little word, that little word, it, it'll enter like a seed. And, and you can let it nourish. And it'll change who you are. Not explosively, but incrementally, gradually, eternally, so that you are changed from glory to glory into the image of our Lord.
that little word is that powerful. It starts as a seed, and it gets into all those wounded and broken places, and pretty soon you are changed. Give it a try. Let's pray. Lord, we are the soil, we are dirt. You are the word. You are life. We receive your spirit into our spirits now. We receive your word into our lives. So that by your authority, by your word, by your truth, we might grow in holiness, in purity, in joy, and in truth. We give you thanks. We are yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to worship by singing hymn 574, Lord, speak to me that I may speak. Mm -hmm. 